We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. <laughs> all right welcome 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 to the heapy podcast i think that's the first in our show's history where intro music cut off midstream so shout out to Streamyard for doing that for us um i want to just talk real quick um shout out to everybody that's tuning in live on twitch I know we haven't been doing consistent pods daily like we used to during the season. There's a good reason for that. The Heat are no longer playing. We need a break, but there's still lots to talk about. There's Dame trades and there's and lots of cap stuff that we can get into. And no one better to talk about that than a man that I that I actually uh, invited on the show for his first time. His maiden voyage on the Miami Heat podcast. None other than Yossi Gosselin of... Was it Hoops Hype or, or what's your, let's just, I should yeah, Hoops Hype. Hoops Hype. Um, you also have the podcast with Michael Scoto that I was actually listening to recently. You guys do a good show as well there. Um, how's it going? Tell me everything that's going on with, with <laughs> Cap News that you've been doing lately. Cause I, obviously this is like your time to shine right now. This is yeah, your season. Yeah, it was my time. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting, just it's like two weeks and then that's kind of it. So <laughs> did my thing and, now I get to relax a little bit. All right. Well, let's get let's get right in there because I know we only have you for a little bit of time. Um, obviously, Miami's offseason is kind of like in a in a standstill still as we find out what happens with Damian Lillard. There's lots um, to kind of speculate on, and I think we're going to do a lot of this stream talking lots of like hypotheticals. So whatever we say on this stream may or may not happen. So don't get your hopes up all the way. But I feel like what the purpose of this stream is going to be is kind of just pointing out things that Miami potentially can do, or at least what they're monitoring as they assess, you know, multiple trade proposals when they're putting together these packages for superstar players. And in particular right now for Damian Lillard. So as we get into it really quickly, Yossi, what do you feel like Miami needs to accomplish if they make this Damian Lillard trade? Is it more balancing the second apron more than anything else? Is it kind of figuring out um, how much of the rotation that they need to keep without sending out, Every single, um, you know, asset in their covered because right now it doesn't seem like they have a whole lot with the two first round picks, but there's more that they could potentially unlock, you know, with 
potentially future trades that they might be able to accomplish by sending Tyler Hero to their third team or potentially amending a pick situation with OKC that they have currently at the moment with their 2025 protected first round pick. So what do you think Miami should accomplish? And what, what do you think are the priorities as they kind of still monitor this game situation? I think they're just trying to get the deal done, really. I've <laughs> historically been one of those teams where they can worry about the other stuff later and do that pretty successfully. Uh, like the salary cap stuff, they have always managed to figure things out. Even after all the spending they did in 2016, 2017, they're still able to get Jimmy Butler two years later. Okay. Uh, Don't remind me of that offseason. Yeah, well, being over the tax, <laughs> like they'll figure it out. And they're still know, paying for it. Technically, they're still paying for that Jimmy Butler. Well, that 26 to 2017 offseason, had they not given Tyler Johnson that, Tyler Johnson that contract and then they kind of like – made that trade for Ryan Anderson, where they kind of saved a little bit. At least they saved themselves from the luxury tax bill that season. But they still had to wave and stretch him. And because they were, like, teetering on the hard cap that year where they tried to land Jimmy Butler in that sign trade, they're still paying for that first-round pick that they sent the Clippers when they unloaded Mo Harkless. And that's one reason why they can't send four first-round picks or even three really right now. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. But I mean more like the fact that they – after that uh, 2016 or was it 2017 season, I think the 2017 season when they were supposed to be pretty bad and they ended up almost making the playoffs okay. and they decided to pay Dion Waiters and James Johnson. I'm sure those are non-names. Heat fans, they probably cringe a little bit when they hear them. But yeah. like they managed to get out of that hole and still get Jimmy Butler, still later put together a pretty good team. And they've really cleaned up their their roster and their cap since. Um, and then the other thing you're mentioning, do they need to have a roster ready, prepare their minimums? Cause yeah, if they get Dame, they're probably going to be pretty deep in the tax. I think with the heat, another thing we all know is that they know how to find first round level talent out of nowhere. They know right. how to identify certain guys and I'm sure there's probably some guys already on the roster we're not thinking too highly of, and at least one or two of them could end up being uh, prominently in the rotation next year. And I would assume that if they get a Dane trade done, they'll probably trade all four maximum picks they're allowed to trade, you know, do work something out with OKC or get another unprotected first that lets them trade four. And when like most teams, historically those team those types of trades don't work out for the team getting the star. Right. But the Heat, you know that they're they're gonna find like a first round level talent later on every year, really, like almost every year. So I think they just need to get the deal done and they can they they'll be able to figure out the other stuff later. Okay. So let's get into that. So you're talking about potentially trading up to four first-round picks. Talk about how exactly that happens. I know I mentioned on the podcast before, it would require them. It doesn't even have to require them amending that pick situation with OKC. As I tweeted out, I think, like two weeks ago, it could require just just getting an extra first-round pick um, that's in 2025. Now, if they get a different first-round pick in any other season, then, yeah, it would require amending that OKC pick. But can we talk about a little bit of how that would work in terms of um, trading four first-round picks, maybe without needing OKC's assistance to unlock uh, another unprotected first, or how that would work for Miami. 
So right now, I uh, it's been a while since I looked at this, but I'm I'm assuming they can only trade two first right now. Yeah, 2028, 2030. Yeah, yeah so that's the max. And the reason for that is because they owe OKC a 25 first. And the yeah. reason they owe that to them is because they previously owed a 23 first and they ended up swapping to get the 23 yeah. back. They gave them a 25. So now they can trade 24 through 27, I think. Something like that. So one thing they could do to open up more of their picks would be if they got their 25 pick back from the thunder and something I pro I just kind of proposed on Twitter is the thunder would probably like another future first out. If they're going to send the heat back to 25, maybe something in 2030. And then that can open up uh, the heat to trade another first. Okay. Uh, they, Cause then you're undoing the steppy and complications between 24 and 27. Now you've, you're basically able to trade, uh, I believe, three between 24 and 28, I think. Uh, yeah, this basically you open up another thing. <laughs> well, as you know, like any Ellisberg, that's like, the I'm sure the first thing they could do, and then there's something better they could do. Yeah. So, like, that's what I was thinking. Like, any Ellisberg, obviously, he's planning different steps. I know there was a report from Five Reasons from Greg Savannah saying that Miami was positioning himself, or they have been positioning themselves to unlock four first-round picks if they need it. I don't know if they're going to be willing to trade four first-round picks. Historically, Miami's actually never... I was looking at this the other day. They've never actually traded more than two first-round picks in, in any trade for any star that they've acquired. It seems like every time they get a star, they get them discounted. Like, if you go back to the Lonzo Morning trade, Tim Hardaway, both of those combined, I think they only gave up one first-round pick. If you go to the Shaq trade, they only gave up one first-round first pick as well. You go to, um, well, obviously the, the big three signings when they got LeBron James and Chris Bosh. That was an interesting sign trade situation where they kind of could only give them, what, four-year deals and they wanted six-year deals, but they still yeah. had opt-out that after four years. Which didn't work out for the Heat. Yeah, exactly. It didn't work out for the Heat, but in order to make that trade work so that they can get those on on, on six-year deals, which no longer is even possible in the CBA. You can only get um, like the standard contract that you could sign as an outright free agent, so before you could used to get like bird rights with them in a way, um, or at least sign them to like the max deal that they usually could get with the max years before um, the NBA stepped in and said, no, that's no longer going to be doable. So they traded two first round picks and two second round picks in both those deals. Um, one to uh, Cleveland, the other to Toronto. And then um, even more recently than that, Goran Dragic, they traded two first round picks. And then the Jimmy Butler trade, as we were mentioning earlier, they traded one first round pick to get that deal done. So, if you're thinking like Miami's trade history and they've only done two first round picks and there's like not really like a market right now for Damian Lillard, but we've seen what some of these trades have happened in these last few off seasons. We go back to the Gilbert Mitchell trades of last off season, go back before that with the Harden trades um, twice. What do you think Miami um, should send out in terms of draft capital? Uh, I would I would just assume that they're going to have to send out as much draft capital as they've got because the way star trades have, they've changed so much since like, for example, the Shaq trade, they gave the heat gave up some really good players to make up for the value of, I mean, back then they weren't really, I don't think like in the 2000s, 2010s, they weren't trading stars for picks or if like just a lot of draft picks they want teams wanted 
players too. Now it's not player-centric at all. Now whenever a team is getting a star, usually they're just sending out whatever salaries are needed and then they're, the value is all in the picks. Yeah. So that just just be by virtue of that becoming the new trend, that's probably what they're going to have to end up doing. And it just seems like that's what the Heat are going to want to do because they're not going to want to trade Jimmy. They're not going to want to trade Bam. It doesn't seem like they want to trade Caleb Martin either. So, yeah, they got Tyler Hero. They've got um, some young recent first-round picks. Yeah, Hami Hakez uh, and, and Jovic, Nikola Jovic, or it's the yeah. two. And then they'll have to make up some draft value. I don't know if there's a way they can get Dame for that, those players and just two and three first round picks. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if the if that's possible, but I obviously that'd be better than sending out all four. Right. But just by the looking at the trends of what the star traits have been the past, I guess since 2019 really since the Paul George trade or the AD trade it's gonna require draft picks until it doesn't when did that start I was actually trying to think about that like when did that start when they when teams were sending more than just like two first round picks even three was that the AD trade I feel like that might have been like when it shifted because before it never used to be that many picks well yeah recently I guess you can start look at the the net Celtics trade that was the first one uh, as in, in recent history and they did it three unprotected first and no one else did anything close to that I think people were watching to see how the Nets would do and recover yeah but then I would say 2019 really I think the Anthony Davis trade Lakers gave like three first round picks on top of Ingram and Lonzo and Hart and then the Paul George trade, that was like... That's the one. You know what? That might be the one. Because that's the one where OKC was able to get, like, what, four unprotected first-round picks plus the pick swaps? Three that was never a thing. Like, pick swaps and yeah. unprotected picks, while that used three to be... protected from the Clippers and, and two from the Heat that the Clippers have. So five first, unprotected first, and four pick swaps. Yeah. And, and one of them was the ones that uh that <laughs> still end up getting traded to OKC. So the one that the that the Clippers got from the um the Jimmy Butler trade was the 2023 protective first round pick. That was like protective lottery protected from 2023 to 2025. Yep. So um that got traded out to to OKC in that same deal for Paul George. Then the KZ Paula trade from I think two uh, two seasons ago at the trade deadline was what shifted the protections once. From 2023 to 2025. So that's where we yeah. stand now. Miami was able to actually use a 2023 pick this season to select Jaime. So in a way, kind of helped them out. Um, yeah. I guess just just thinking out loud, like, so you, so you see Miami's um, cap sheet right now. I know there's a, a, can we put it up real quick, Pablo, on screen, his, um, his website? So this is your website that you run and operate. Tremendous, by the way. I don't know how you got your programming team to, to put this together for you, but I'm low-key jealous because it's like one of the best websites out there. and I'm shocked it's free. But uh, for, for the pod listeners that are out there, you should definitely check out capsheets.com. Every NBA team is on here. These are up to date every single day. So if there's any transaction that's out there that's been reported, you can make certain that this website will have whatever contract details uh, that you'll need in order to uh, just keep track of what these teams' cap sheets are looking like. And every single detail is on here. Two-way contracts, you got all the cap holds, 
Um, obviously, the trade uh, exceptions are on there at the bottom that Miami has with those three between Oladipo, Struess, and Deadman. And then obviously you have all of the different um, apron levels and how Miami is in terms of how over or under they are on each of the levels, which right now basically they're over every single one besides the second apron, but they're pretty much almost there anyway. They're basically operating as if they're over it, yeah. Yeah. So as you're looking at their cap sheet right now, um, entering this season, do you think making a Damian Lillard trade impacts them at any point um, if they go over to second apron? This season, no. Uh, one most there's very really no very few of the restrictions that are set to be implemented very few of them are actually implemented right now uh all there really is for this season is no mid-level exception which the heat already chose not to use uh i mean they still technically could use it if they get enough flexibility if they get if they uh dip below enough below so the, uh, the five million aprons, but um they i they all they really did this offseason was sign minimum guys, uh, either save money, which what they, they did with the Oladipo trade and not re-signing Struess and Vincent. And then they brought back Jay Rich. They signed Thomas Bryan. They brought back Orlando Robinson. They did the bare minimum just to keep that, not to hard cap themselves in case a big trade like a Dame trade would happen. Uh, then the other thing is they wouldn't be able to participate in the buyout market, which uh, they wouldn't be able to sign a player who had a salary of the mid-level exception or more. The full, the full mid-level, right? You're talking yeah, about the 12 point, the 12 point yeah. three or twelve point four, whatever it was. Yeah, twelve point four. And so that's those are really the only two uh, second apron restrictions of this year. Then in the next season, that's when you're gonna. That's when they really. Uh, start to settle in uh all the trade stuff you can't increase salary in a trade you can 100 percent trade match right 100 percent. right now it's 110 percent. so miami yeah. can actually make this dame this dame trade and only have to send out 41 point i think six million is a number yeah right now they only need to get within 10 percent. yeah so it's 41.49 million is how much miami year. has to send out um literally making 45.6 so that's yeah. like a five million dollar buffer just about that they have yeah. And then starting and, next season, you're saying it's 100%. So you have to send out at least 45. You basically have to match exactly his salary and hope. And, and that actually gets tricky because I feel like going forward, when teams like Miami want to make these kind of swings for a superstar trade, that's going to be hard to trade match because you're basically telling the other team, you're going to have to probably take in more money than I'm sending out. Yeah, and not only that, but they wouldn't be able to trade for Dame next year unless they're trading Jimmy because they can't aggregate players. They can't exactly. trade that's a they big one. Yeah, they can't get to that 100% number with multiple guys. Uh, there's a there's a, then there's also the uh, draft pick thing. Well, there's some like interesting draft pick stuff where if you're in it for multiple years, uh, you can have your draft pick seven years out. You won't be able to trade it, and then maybe falls to the end of the first round. Yeah. Um, what else is there? Uh, and then you can't use old trade exceptions from the season before. So that you would impact Miami next season because they have the two trade exceptions they got in this offseason with the Strews deal and then now the Oladipo one. So those, yeah, yeah. Actually, those will impact them because if they're going to be over the second apron next year, mm-hmm. then, for example, the Strews one and the Oladipo one, yeah. they wouldn't be able to use them 
uh, yeah, like like on July six, July six, like once the moratorium ends are allowed to use it, they wouldn't be allowed to use it to, to okay. use it on the day it expires. Got it. Um, they would basically have to use it up until June, which isn't. Oh, actually, no, 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 oh, no, no. Actually, that's not true. If they're going to be over the second apron, or if they're already projected to be over the second apron, they wouldn't be able to use it already in June. I got to I got to read into it again. I, but I, remember, I know the like, CBA just came out. We haven't really fully read every single but page. But yeah, like that is something that's able to use it like before right before July either. Uh, I gotta, so, I'll look into it again. But, but I'm to your, well, to your point, it feels like if Miami wants to use these trick exceptions, it makes more sense to start using it this season before right. the new second apron rules really kick in or the, the more egregious ones kick in next season. And, and one other that just came to my head is they can't uh, sign and trade a player yeah. and get a player back in return or generate a trade exception. So like they just did with Max Struess. They could have they could sign and trade a guy like him next offseason and just get a pick back or cash back, something like that, but they wouldn't be able to create that 7.2 a trade exception or use him towards someone else. Yeah. Right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So that's actually really interesting because that's something that, um, the thun- not the Thunder, the, um, the Warriors did when they did the trade exception and, and they got back D'Angelo Russell also, I think, in that same deal. Back. Yeah. So as we're uh, as we're looking ahead, um, there's been some reports. Obviously, it's not like crazy official reports, but there's been some ideas flowing out there on Twitter that potentially the longer this Damian Lillard trade situation, you know, draws out o- over time, 
that is there is there a way or a possibility that Miami would want to potentially find a way to keep Tyler Hero if maybe all it takes is three first round picks and they don't need to send Tyler Hero to a, to a third team to unlock you know a four first round pick that they could maybe get from that third team and if that happens like how does that impact uh, Miami's cat situation going forward beyond this season do they get are they going to be in a second apron team you know in future seasons ahead because you're talking about keeping a 27 million dollar player that's going to be making more next season in fact Pablo, can you scroll up real quick? And can we uh, pull up the 2024-25 season? So next season, um, Tyler here is making $29 million. And then you got Duncan still on the cap sheet at 19.4. You got Bam at 34.8. Then Jimmy starts his new extension at 48.7. So he's going to be making an extra $10 million starting next season. So, so Dean's going to be at like 49? Yeah, Dan's going to be making uh, like $50 million just I, about. I'm just going to assume... <laughs> that they trade Lowry and Duncan Robinson for Lillard this year. And yeah, they would probably be over the second apron with that four, with those four yeah. guys. And that's obviously not and even I'm, counting Caleb Martin, maybe even staying. He probably would be gone, but assume he stayed on the roster. There's probably not much of a case that he gets re-signed because that tax bill would be insane if they tried to re-sign him anything more than his $7 million that he's making now. Yeah, for the Heat, I think keeping Tyler Hero might be more about keeping the asset if they feel like he will have more value later okay. than those picks that they'd be sending out to Portland. And then you can try things out, see if it, if, if, if it's working out, he, maybe hero gets better. Maybe he's awesome next to Lillard. Um, maybe having Lillard there helps hero a little bit. Um, uh, not get hunted as much because now there's just so many uh, like they're just like a no- now you got to worry about Lillard more. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then also you can do something with him later if uh, if they feel like he um, you know they need to change things up a bit. Still be able to guess something for him. Well, I guess we could probably have a good example is like what Golden State just did with Jordan Poole. They could try to unload him the following offseason. They basically have like a one-year run of what maybe a hero and and loader backward could look like. And if it doesn't play out the way that they expect it to, then yeah, the next possible move would be moving hero and sending him for whatever they can get back in return, which it might be at a discount because obviously you're trading him if if he's not having a good year probably next to Dame is probably what the assumption is. Or maybe it could just be an ultimatum from from the um, from ownership saying, "Hey, we need to cut down this tax bill. You know, you guys didn't make it deep enough in the playoffs, or this isn't going to work um, moving forward. You're going to have to shed the salary, and, and the salary that you would have to shed was probably going to have to be Tyler. He's a cap casualty, and that's it." And assuming they're over the second apron, if they're like way over it, it might only be able to trade him at this point for yeah. several smaller salaries. Right. So if they can, ju- if they just want to get some depth pieces that they think fit really well around their big three. That might be what they end up doing. Okay. Now let's talk about the likelihood of any of that even happening. Cause obviously like that's just in theory, hypothetically speaking, but like in reality, do you feel like that's even like a possibility that's, that could be floated out there for Miami to, to potentially find a way to make this Dame trade happen as it continues to prolong where they keep Hero, or do you feel like Hero, in all likelihood, is going to be in this deal? Or they, he he should, probably should be in this deal because you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're 
trying to cut salary and, and become the second apron team next season. I just feel like most likely the Heat are going to have to give up just about everything to <laughs> get Dame. Just, just seeing him, what the price has been for stars. Um, I think that's the most likely scenario. Um, especially now I think Caleb Martin's such an interesting uh, factor in these negotiations. He was just so good in the playoffs that them keeping Martin can be used against them in negotiations. And just like another thing to tug, like, okay, you want to keep Martin? You want to keep Hakas? All right, well, you're going to have to give us all your picks in Hero. Um, obviously, that's not how the negotiation is. So <laughs> just kind of paraphrase. What, uh, what it might come down to. Okay, so let's talk about some of the, the trade packages or at least a framework that you think could work for Miami and Portland and if it would evolve more than just those two teams because it seems like at the moment there's not a trade between those two teams that works uh, one for one. So it seems like what needs to happen and what's been reported from like every single reputable reporter out there that it's going to require at least three teams and maybe even more than three teams, potentially a four-team deal beyond that. Um, I know there was one theory that you had uh, like about a couple of weeks ago where Miami could like use those um, trade deals between Struess and, and Oladipo, maybe use their salaries in aggregation. And uh, I know that didn't happen. I'm so sorry that you wrote that story and, and it probably got shattered in like, like what, 12 hours or 24 hours before you posted that. Um, it, was it was a fun theory. Honestly, I, I was actually believing it because I didn't see any trades pop in at like noon right away. I was like, oh, maybe this might happen. And then like later on that Struz deal got reported. I'm like, oh, I guess not. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about like what are some frameworks that you do like um, that maybe could get this trade deal done that we could send over to Cronin? Well, I haven't looked into it recently because when – when the starter free agency happened and I came up with that and I put that possibility out there, the biggest benefit for Portland was there was, it really would have helped them take back minimal salary, even like potentially take back like nothing back. Yeah. Um, now they're, it's going to be tougher for them to like think luckily for them, they're, they're under the tax and any Dame trade they do most likely will get them a little more under, but now there's no, I don't think there's any team with cap space now. Um, other than maybe like Indiana who have like, like seven mil or something. Like it's not enough cap space to really facilitate or at least taking enough contract salary to make a deal work. Yeah. Nothing. You're talking yeah, about trying to find a team that has trade exceptions to maybe take back something like that. Which, yeah. if I was thinking, like there might be a possibility where if Miami does loop in Brooklyn, that maybe they could send out the necessary salary to take in Tyler Hero's 27 million, which would be what 19.5 because you have that 7.5 mm-hmm. million trade buffer. I, there is a way, a possibility where maybe they could send out two players like um, Spencer Dinwiddie's 20 million, and there's a 9.5 million dollars that Royce O'Neal makes. They're both players that are um, expiring contracts and Miami could take in Royce O'Neal's 9.5 million um, in their trade exception that they have with the old depot trade. Since the new CBA rules mm-hmm. allow you to take in um, up to $250,000 $250, more than the um, value of the trade exception. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. I So now that, but 
now that there's no cap space and there's no like yeah brooklyn does have some pretty big trade exceptions but nothing that can help take in a lowry i mean i guess duncan robs i don't think they have any incentive to do that um so uh, I would I would guess that yeah it's gonna end up being a three four team deal. I I think the best case for Miami is that they're able to get one good unprotected first. Uh, well, okay, first uh, there's another thing we missed on when we're talking about the pick situation is that if the Heat sure. want to unlock four firsts to trade. On their end, they need to get a 25 unprotected first back, either their own or someone else's. And the and two teams that make sense that have been linked to Tyler Hero are the Nets and the Jazz. Uh, both teams have a surplus 25 firsts. Yeah. So they could give the Heat uh, one of those, and then maybe – and then that can uh, – and they could get t- Tyler Hero that way. So I think one of the better case scenarios for the Heat is that whichever team trades for Hero uh, is willing to give up two firsts, maybe like one pretty good first and one just like okay to meh first. Like a protected so, first, like a lottery protected or like a top 15, 20 protected first, something like that. So, so let's say the Jazz, for example... Well, the Jazz have two, two. So that twenty twenty five thing you were talking about. I know the Jazz have both Cleveland's twenty five first. That's unprotected, and they also yeah. have uh, one of Minnesota's in twenty twenty five as yeah. well. So let's say they are willing to give the Heat one of those, whichever they value the least, and then they're also willing to trade like another first because they have like I don't know fifteen extra firsts, right? Just any other first to to the Blazers to get Tyler Hero along with whatever salary matching they got to do. I don't know, Colin Sexton or something. And then the Heat are then able to trade three or four firsts. So the Blazers get four to five firsts uh, plus whatever whatever salaries, young players they can get from the Heat. Uh, I think that could get done in a three-team trade. Um, I think that's what I think might Ultimately, that's what I keep coming back to, that kind of trade where Hero extracts enough value to give the Blazers just like an additional first uh, or two. Okay. I like that kind of idea. Um, Just trying to think out loud, like, I know the reports were like the Blazers are really looking forward to getting picks and like potential players, like young players. But it feels like in this situation, like, it doesn't seem likely that they're going to get the kind of um, young players that you usually see get traded out in these kind of star player deals. Like we were talking earlier about Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. Like Miami hasn't been a a team that's you know tanked enough to get those kind of high value first round picks. So like the picks that they have that are first round picks are, are players that were selected either at the end of the first round or you know in the middle of the first round. Not like you know lottery um, players besides Tyler Hero, but apparently they don't like them enough to to take him in, especially because he's. He's um, now entering a new four-year contract. So as we're looking at like the landscape of the NBA, what are players you think that maybe, because I was actually thinking of a team like Detroit was mentioned in the past. Do you think a player like James Wiseman potentially could find his way over to Portland in a way that Miami could loop them into this deal? Because uh, Chris Haynes had 
mentioned that in one of his um, podcasts a few weeks ago that they were uh, at least being mentioned as one of the teams that could be uh, mixed in this multi-team deal for Dame. Are there any other young players out there that you could think of that the Trailblazers might want um, or that he could potentially negotiate to, to get them involved in a deal to you know, make so this like Pistons got Hero, for example, or whichever. Like, is I, that it? Might take a first round pick. So, like, what did the Pistons gave up? What multiple second round picks, and then they gave up. Um, who was the young wing player that they had at the time, Sadiq Bay? So, I guess we're we're thinking like, is there a young player? Maybe maybe Miami sends Jovic out to to maybe maybe Portland doesn't value Jovic enough as a young player. Maybe they prefer Wiseman, or maybe Jovic gets sent out to detroit obviously wisen's gonna be up for an extension after this year um i don't think he signed one but he's up for one he's a restricted free agent i think next season so maybe potentially they they value another young rookie contract especially if they just signed um uh, isaiah stewart to a pretty big deal so does it make sense to sign two you know big men to long-term deals or could you maybe reroute wiseman you get back jovich maybe a protective first and then the rest of the picks still go to Portland. Is there a potential way that Miami could loot that in? Uh, that's tricky, though, to to see like who those players are that could potentially be available, what those teams are asking for. Um, one thing that pop comes to my mind is if it's a team like like what the Celtics were doing when they traded Smart, they got two firsts back, and then they turned one of those firsts into like seven seconds or something. A team like them who are going to be well over the second apron, have big luxury tax payments, sure. they're going to need draft picks, they're going to want to restock their picks. Maybe a team like that is willing to give up something, uh, whether it's a, a young player that they just aren't totally in on, or even just some veteran player that can be uh, flipped later into other a different uh, young player that can get a rear out of the Portland. I think that's something that's could be interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. I can't just off the top of my head. I can't say like, who are those players that Portland would want? I, I don't know. The only other team I could think of is right. just like maybe the thunder just because they have just, they have to make some, some hard decisions of the amount of players that they have under contract right now. So I mean, the, maybe the there's a way that some of those young players they, could maybe get sent to Portland. Cause they, they, the they do have the roster. Forwards. They need some like good wings, good up to side wings. Uh, I mean, a big man isn't the hardest thing to get. Uh, so I guess the, I guess I would be looking towards who are those higher Poku. upside wings that could let's, be available. Let's, let's send Poku out to Portland. <laughs> yeah, I mean, OKC's got a roster crunch too. And then they have the Heat's protections. Maybe that's the way that Miami was is able to unlock those protections. You help OKC out without having to waive some salary. You send out some of those good picks out, and then you help them out by unlocking one of your future first round picks of 2026 or something. I don't know. That, to me, those are like potential ideas where like, hey, we can help you, Ella. You, I, I scratch your back. You scratch mine in a way. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I don't know. Yeah, I just, I just, it's tough though, also because they want forwards, but that's the most scarce and valuable position. Exactly. So it's easier said than done. All right, let's actually talk really quickly um, about Caleb Martin because he, as we've been talking about earlier, he's a player to Miami values a lot um, to the point where they're trying to hold him in this kind of Dame Lillard trade. Um, there's a comment right there from our chat saying not resigning Caleb Martin would be a mistake. You, as you um, see Miami's cap situation um, moving forward after the season, he obviously signed that three-year deal um, um, as a free agent last season, um, but he does have a player option for next season. At, at his current trajectory, it seems very likely that he would opt out. It almost doesn't seem um, likely that he would opt in just because he's he's at an age where he needs to cash in. He's at like 28, 29 years old. He's going to be... Oh, really? Yeah, he's not young anymore. He's actually like pretty old because he was he went to college for like four or five years, and now he's been in the NBA for about three seasons as well because he spent the first couple in Charlotte. So, as you look at um, maybe his his potential free agency next season, what are some players that you think um, are in the range of what his future salary could potentially be? And is there a situation Miami may not want to resign him because it just becomes too expensive? Sort of like what happened this offseason with Gabe and Max. So Caleb's interesting because most of these guys that the Heat find out of nowhere, they're never, none of them, are, you, you, we can agree they're mostly not high upside guys. Like what, what Struess and Vincent just did, um, you can argue that they might never replicate any, they might never replicate anything close to that again. Yeah. And I think, I like I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, I think the Heat learned from their 2017 offseason not to get carried away and pay these guys like the Dion waiters is in the James Johnson's after just, you know, one year. Um, that it's really just like one year of like high level basketball and you can even, in, and then, you know, even Kendrick Nunn, uh, obviously Duncan Robinson, that, that one there. Well, they let Nunn walk. So that was one that they actually did follow yeah. that same, principle we were saying and what happened with yeah. max and gabe where they just let him but walk and Duncan robinson they you know they that one they got burned yeah. from that one uh, you know so i think that's another recent example where they were more hesitant even though like i think Struess and vincent are gonna have pretty good careers and i don't i think they're like i think okay i think Struess a little overpaid well, Schroes is going to be making 14, right? 14 yeah. this, this coming um, season. Yeah. And then I what? Think, I think Gabe's about the right to let him go. Yeah, uh, Vincent, I think with the years he got, it's okay. But again, I get I get why the Heat are showing restraint. But back to Caleb Martin, because like he seems different. He seems like, okay, he doesn't have like insane upside. He's really good for what the Heat does, but also just, I, you know, he, he just seems like he can fit on a lot more teams and he just seems a lot different from all these other guys I just mentioned. I would, 
imagine he's going to for sure double his salary at least. Uh, comparable salaries. It's just tough to say because the cap's still going up. Uh, it's like, projected to go up 5% next season, right? That's the current yeah, projection. Like, yeah, for now, max 5%. Is, max is going to be 10% no matter what. Yeah, that's forward. the rule. But like a comparable player, I, it's, I can't really think of one, but I would... If he if he has another strong season like this, I would imagine he's going to double his salary at least, maybe get something in the 15, 16 mil range. And that might even be considered too low just based on how much the cap is going up. Is he uh, any possibility that he makes anything close to what Bruce Brown just got? Well, depends on the years because Bruce Brown basically got like a one-year deal. But It would uh, depend on like what teams have cap space too that would want to go after him, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe someone wants to just do that to mess with the Hegan like the one year mega offer and just see if he takes it. Um but we'll have to also I think we also just gotta keep seeing how Caleb Barden does now. He's had two great seasons with the Heat. So right. there's clearly something there. Um yeah there's definitely but does he have how much more upside does he have? I yeah I can't say he has that much more. I didn't even know he was already like 27, 28. I thought he's like 25. Uh, which, um, you know, you don't have that much more upside when you're 25 anyways. But, yeah, 27, 28. He's turning 28 on September 28. Yeah. So he'll be 28 in the but, season. But also, you know, a lot of the best Heat players just keep getting better and better as they get way older. Like Jimmy Butler just had his best season, like regular season and playoffs at 33, 34. Uh, so, yeah, I think – I think Caleb definitely does have a little bit more upside at least just like a little bit more. Uh, and I, yeah, I just, I, and yeah, I get why that he wouldn't want to trade him. I think he'd be a pretty awesome fit around the other uh, big three guys. Let's talk really quickly also um, about like, just um, so as we're talking about Caleb, he is, he has bird rights. So if Miami wanted to resign him, they could basically sign to whatever deal up to his max. Um, but they are not able to negotiate any kind of extension right now because the deal that he's signed, even though he signed a three-year deal, he has to play at least those t- first two seasons. And then that third year is when he could sign an extension. So basically in order for him to sign an extension, he would have to opt in to the second year of his deal before an extension could kick in. Um, yeah. Do you think there's any way that that Miami could swing that where they can maybe negotiate under the table where they tell Caleb, hey, take a one-year discount, but we're going to pay you after this season. Don't worry. Like the Clippers, for example, they have that benefit because they took care of Batum after he took a really short deal. Yes. The Bucks probably have that benefit because they gave they took care of Bobby Portis after he took a, a discount. Uh, I, just, I, I just can't really identify the Heat having done something like that. We're like, hey, accept this player option or resign for the most we could give you. And we'll, we'll take care of you later. I'm not, yeah. Um, could but, you negotiate that extension as soon as he opts in, in during free agency? Yeah, I mean, or, really oh, before free agency, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you opt in before free agency starts July first. That, that would so be like the Pat Connaughton. Then that's what they. That's what the Bucks did with Pat Connaughton. He ex, he took his player option last year, and it was like weird. Like, why would he accept it? He actually had a really good year. Uh, he should have gotten offers, and then he immediately extended for whatever uh, they 
had an understanding on. So I don't know. It's tricky though. Cause he, I think Caleb would be leaving a large, pretty big chunk of money on the table, but the guys like Batum, Portis, Con, uh, they, they were, they had already made a good amount of money. I guess the only way I could see Miami maybe making that work, and and I guess you're gonna have to correct me if I'm wrong. What's the max amount of years you can offer an extension? Is it only three or four, or could they go up to five with his bird uh, rights? Four. Maybe that that's the way Miami is able to swing that. You give him four years. Maybe in the open market, he would only generate about two or three years. Um, well, I guess it could be three years with mid level now. But um, also, his extension though would not be. It wouldn't that's be as big, true. It would be what started him at like I don't know, thirteen mil. It used to be one hundred twenty percent and one up, right? Yeah, but uh, it oh actually no no, it would start him at like seven. Actually, oh yeah, that's right. It would start him way higher. It was sort of like seventeen ish mil. That's actually uh, it might be worth the conversation. <laughs> so I wonder if Miami would consider doing that because it would help them at least find a way to. Because once you get to that last year, uh, so like say next season, Duncan Robinson's still on the roster, say assuming he's on the roster next season, Duncan, and you have Caleb on the deal um, that he's currently making, that year that he would maybe kick in as an extension, Duncan Robinson has that clause in his contract where Miami could waive him and they would save um, because it's partially guaranteed up until I think July 1st or the start of moratorium or whatever it is. And they could waive and stretch that amount and... Um, sure, they take a dead cap of like a couple of million for three seasons, but in a way, it saves them what twenty million from taking Duncan's last year in his deal, and then that that number gets replaced probably with whatever Caleb's going to be making that year. Maybe that's the way Miami can swing that and and maybe negotiate that with his agent. So I think that actually might be something to note moving forward. If if that it becomes a possibility, then maybe that's the way they uh, can reason it. Yeah, I would guess. Caleb only agrees to that if he gets a whiff that his market's not going to vastly surpass that uh, in 24 free agency. Okay. Then it starts to make sense. All right. How much more time we got with you? Can we get one more question in? Yeah, one more. All right. One more question. I think this is the one that uh, most players or most most fans want to know. When do you think a Damian Lillard trade will happen? Do you do you buy the reports that this is going to take months and months? Do you think this trade could happen by the end of the stream? <laughs> I think we see it maybe a little before October. Okay. Or like before training camp. Before um, training camp. Yeah, because if the Heat are just negotiate, haven't given their best offer yet and are negotiating to that point, I would guess that... Uh, they're going to want to have Damon before training camp and just, you know, put all their cards on the table then. Okay. Oh, this is also good. When is Damon to get vocal? That might be part of the reason how they get this trade done by October. I think there might be a possibility where Dame talks about the, the, his request of a trade. I mean, that um, isn't he already vocal, like going on Instagram live and stuff. Is that, I mean, we're talking like Jimmy Butler going with Rachel Nichols and, and throwing a uh, tantrum on the, on the practice court before he does that. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> he's got his agent literally messaging everybody, oh. hey, like Dame only wants to play for the Heat. Yeah. I've never seen an agent do that. Uh, and I, I can't recall another agent really like 
Maybe Anthony Davis. I know there were. I know Anthony Davis had. Maybe it wasn't his agent, but there were reports that he only wanted to play for Lakers. And I think his dad went on the record saying he would never play for the Celtics. That's like the only. But but Dame's agents going on the record saying, "I, Dame's agent, yeah, uh, I'm letting you know that Dame only." Well, yeah, it's it's usually you can say that I told you that. Yeah, it's per source is usually how that goes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or, or source so that, close to the so, situation. So that's really – I don't think Dame needs to do anything himself. Like, that's really unprecedented. I'm surprised no one's really talking about that his agent is doing that. Like, and, you know, to me, if he, if he doesn't get the trade he wants, I guess he's kind of taking an L to, like, go out there like that and not get the result you wanted. Again, I'm never like, unless you could prove me wrong, I don't recall an agent doing something like this. I can't think of another one off the top of my head, but you might yeah. be right. And I know there's like, there's always been lists of teams you want to get traded to, but to the extent where, yeah, like they're going on record saying that I'm calling these GMs, tell them don't trade for my client. Cause there's no point. Cause he wants to play just for Miami. I don't know if we've seen that on the record, like to, to reporters and stuff. Yeah. And it's like every reporter, it's not just like one, it's like every single reporter that's put that out. So even like local and national reporters, I put that same quote out. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Like so when the AD trade stuff was happening, yeah. Rick Paul was not going on the record doing anything like that. <laughs> so he's definitely earning his money. That's what chat says. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate um, you taking the time to uh, do the stream with us. Um, are, anything you want to plug that you're working on currently right now, um, entering the season? Not much, really. Um, doing some stuff on hoop site. Uh, you know, as we get into August, things are starting to get a little calmer, I think, for everybody in the NBA media. Uh, but yeah, I'm still a little active here and there, posting some stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really don't have too much else to plug. You already gave a nice presentation of my website so uh yeah if you know whoever needs to to see like the most relevant data to this season and next season for their teams cap wise just capsheets.com how'd you pay for that domain by the way was that like just readily available or did you have to like bid for that i was i, I, was I can't believe to- that was available i find that very hard to believe <laughs> I, I was just trying to come up with something even more clever and something like that I really liked. And then my developers said, Hey, you should just take this. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I didn't even know I could just do that one. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. All right, man. I appreciate your time. Um, hope you have a good rest of your day. Um, to the rest of the chat, we'll probably come on uh, sometime next week, unless some big trade happens, which obviously we're all hoping that the Dame trade happens soon. I think we're probably just going to take it slow in the pod. A lot of us um, are trying to take a, Slight vacation break, but obviously we want to give you guys as much content as we can um, on a weekly basis still. So um, hope you guys enjoyed the stream. Um, continue to check out MiamiHeapy.com for any stories and podcasts that we post out there. Check out Hype and CapSheets.com, and we'll catch you in the next stream. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.